Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrew, and um, I'm the husband of uh, Mackenzie and the father of Nathaniel. Um, yeah, so that's my family, for those that don't know who I am. Um, and uh, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> this morning, we're, um, uh, the last few weeks, we've been, uh, we've been hearing uh, a common thread of uh, the spiritual nature of man. Um, a couple of weeks ago, joining us via video, we had Reverend Mark Hankins, and he spoke on... Uh, Paul's system of truth, and in that he dived into what is man, um, our identification with Christ. I first went into our identification with Adam, so meaning the sin nature, and then he went into our identification with Christ, which is the new in Christ man, which is the nature he died to give us. Amen? Hallelujah. And then last week we we touched on, uh, uh, Pastor Tony shared on uh, our, our spiritual nature, uh, and uh, we learn, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Praise the Lord. And, um, yeah, how good is that? We're spirit beings. Hallelujah. Oh, man. We connect with God on a different level. The more we get in tune with that, the more we, uh, the more we become aware of our spiritual nature, the more it's like it feels like God is just right there all the time. Spirit to spirit, just like that. Um, I'm going to be uh, sharing today, um, piggybacking off of, off of that concept of our identity. And uh, just to start, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, a couple of years ago, um, Kenzie and I were first married, and we lived maybe about five minutes down the road. We're heading on our way to church and, you know, I'm excited to get there, kind of in a rush, probably because of worship team. We, we get here at 7 o'clock. Didn't our worship team do a great job this morning? <laughs> Praise the Lord, the anointing. Woo! Hallelujah. And so we're, I'm in a rush uh, this particular morning. And uh, we get over a hill, and you've got to kind of give the, a bit of juice on the accelerator pedal to get up, and then you've got to hit the brakes when you go over the hill. You know, you don't want to fly off in, you know, Dukes of Hazard style. But... Um, Anyway, uh, when we came over the hill, I, didn't, I wasn't really watching my speedometer, and before I know it, red and blue lights are in my, in my rearview mirror. Oh, man, that, that, uh, when you see the, those lights shining in your rearview mirror, you just want to confess to anything, even if you didn't do it. You're like, oh, I, <laughs> he went that way. Who? Who? <laughs> but um, anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I get nervous, and the officer walks up to the window, and she says... Um, Sir, do you realize that you were going uh, 70 in a 60 zone? And I said, man, I, I took that, that, that hill and I forgot to break. I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. And, um, you know, she's, she's acting as if, like, yeah, I understand. But as she's understanding, she's writing my name on a, on a ticket. And so, um, yeah, she's writing my name and she said, I'm going to need your details. Can I have some ID, please? I do a little haka kind of tongue and dance, uh, trying to feel for where I, where I could have possibly left my, uh, 
finger. Mate Matonga, so that would have been proud of me. But um, I, I couldn't find it anywhere. And uh, I said, I don't have it on me. She said, you don't have it on you? What are you doing driving? So I didn't have my ID, and that landed me in hot water. That got me in a lot of trouble because I didn't have it. She asked me for my ID, and I had nothing to show for it. And so today's sermon title is, Can I Have Some ID, Please? <laughs> How many of you know that there are situations in, in life that we face that demand us to have some form of ID, that demands us to know who we are, it demands us to have something to say, this is who I am. The devil loves looking for opportunity to come and test Christians whether they know their identity or not. And so it's important to have your ID at all times in the forefront of your mind and in your heart to know it. Praise God. That way you won't be caught out and found wanting when, it, when the time comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, um, yeah, we're going to play a little game. We're going to play a little game today. For those of you that know me, I love games. I love making up little fun games um, with uh, Kenzie and Baby sometimes, even though he doesn't really understand. I, I pretend he does. It's part of the game. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I always come up with these mini games. One of them is like when you see a jacaranda tree, you have to say jacaranda, and if you don't say it in time, you know, every time you call it out, you get one point. But yeah, I think I'm thrashing in that one, Kenzie. I think I'm. I'm beating you in that one. <clears throat> but um, we're going to play a little game. How many of you have played the game Celebrity Heads? Celebrity Heads? No? For those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, Celebrity Heads happens when you... I've got this headset. I have a card on it. I don't know who the... Per like, there's a name written on the card, and I won't know who the name is. But through a series of yes and no questions that I'm allowed to ask, I'm going to make a guess at who this person is. So... I'll ask things that you can only answer yes or no, and then I'll try to figure it out, okay? We're going to play a bit of that today, because I have to get my mini-game fix this morning. So if you're wondering what this ridiculous thing is on my head, it's part of the game. So uh, can we have uh, our lovely assistant, Josh, uh, bring that card down? Josh is one of our faithful ushers. Uh, he serves here week in, week out. Thank you, Lord, for the faithful men and women of God that volunteer every week. So I won't see who this is. I can't know, because I'm going to be guessing. I love games too much. I will not peek, I promise. It ruins the fun for me. Hallelujah. No peeking, I promise. Okay, cool. Perfect. All right, in, in a couple of seconds, the name will appear on the screen. Tell me, give me a huge yes when it's on there. Is it up there? Yes. Okay, cool. All right, is this person in the auditorium? Could you please stand up? Could the real please stand up? Oh, no. Okay, awesome. Give a wave to everyone just in case they're unfamiliar of you. Okay, do a little dance. Okay, you don't have to. You can sit down. Hallelujah. All right, are you sitting down? Awesome. Okay, you can take that graphic off the screen. Oh, man, every time that this happened in the first service, when I opened my eyes, immediately, like, my curiosity is like... <gasps> <laughs> I'm like a little kid. Okay, just to test if you understood the, the nature of the game, um, I'm going to give a series of questions, all right? Is this person, uh, is this person, do, do they have long pants on? 
Oh, we all have long pants on. It's winter. Uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to ask that question. Um, da, uh, does this person have an, uh, a, a second layer on top? Like a jacket or a coat? Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. The game is afoot. All right. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to pray. Yes, uh, if, you, if you're wondering, I'm going to preach with this thing on my head. But um, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into the word. Amen. Can I have some ID, please? Ooh, I'm excited. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come around your word today with great joy to be in your presence, Lord. Your word says that in your presence is fullness of joy. Thanks for having us, Lord. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's an honor to be here. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus that enables us to come in and have an audience with you. What a privilege, Lord. As we break open your word, Lord, I thank you that you would reveal to us who we are. Show us our identity in you. Let us become more like you as we look into your word. Let, the, let your word be a mirror to us and tell us what we are. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for revelation, hearts being open. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough from strongholds, bondages, addictions, just falling off when we look at who we are. In Jesus' name. By faith, we access that grace. Grace my lips, my heart and my mind. Help me to communicate what's on your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, just say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're going to start. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. In my Bible, um, there's a subheading. Every Bible is different. Mine says, um, Satan tempts Jesus. If you're looking for it, it's on page 664. <laughs> anyway. Then, <laughs> Hallelujah. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know, sometimes, yeah. Uh, verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. 
Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. In my Bible, it comes under the subheading, Satan tempts Jesus. Sometimes it'll come up as a Jesus in the wilderness, or temptation in the wilderness, or you know, Jesus' 40-day fasts, different things. As I was preparing it, I, I, preparing this message, I, I retitled it, the, t- the Time Satan Checked Jesus' ID. See, even Jesus wasn't exempt from this kind of testing. When you look at the question that Satan poses to Jesus, it seems like it's a question of his ability. He wants to see Jesus demonstrate something cool. It's almost like sometimes if you don't really divide the word open like in the right way, you'll think, oh, Satan's asking Jesus to show a magic trick to prove who he is. But see, Jesus is so clever. That's like one of the understatements of the year, but Jesus is wisdom. He sees what Satan is trying to do, and even though Satan is trying to see if Jesus will demonstrate his ability, or Satan was was not trying to see if Jesus would demonstrate his ability. Satan was trying to see if Jesus would compromise his identity. It sounds like it's a question on what Jesus can do, but it's actually a deeper question on Jesus. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, do X, Y, Z. If you are the Son of God, if you're truly the Son of God, do this. Aren't you thankful that in that day of temptation, Jesus knew who he was and he knew not to play the devil's game? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was more concerned about who he was and what the word said about him and what the word says than wanting to prove a point? You'd think this is the showdown. This is, in fact, one of the like, few accounts where Jesus is face-to-face with like arch enemy. You'd think, it's on. What can Jesus do? You'd expect like one of, the, one of those prophets of Baal moments where God shows up in his strength and actually like obliterates. But no, Jesus just turns to the word. He's not shaken. He's not moved. He knows who he is. He knows what's written in the word, and he stands firm on it. He doesn't play the devil's game. Hallelujah. And to think that our identity is in him. When Paul is in Athens in the book of Acts, and he's preaching to the philosophers, and he says, in him we live and move and have our being. That's us today. Our identity is in someone who knows his identity. Someone who's fixed. He knows it. It's written. Our identity is in him. When your identity is in him, you can't be shaken the same way Jesus was not shaken when the devil came to tempt him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes the, the devil has a way of making you think about your works. Do this. Turn this into bread. You didn't do this enough. You didn't do that enough. You didn't, you, you didn't, you prayed for that person and their headache got worse. Just different things to make you feel like it's all about your works. But if you can hold on to your identity, the question's not about so much about what you can do. It's do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Satan couldn't care less about the works you do. He just doesn't want you to know who you are. Because when you know who you are, you're going to do everything that... Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Another thing I noticed about, about that, this story, 
I, I, I'd often never really paid attention to it, but, you know, um, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't tempted on day one of the fast. He wasn't tempted on day five or the third week or 25th day. It was day 40. Day number 40. Sometimes it's hardest to really commit when you can see the end in sight. You know, you feel like you've done the hard yards. You've put in the hours, you've put in the effort. It's nearly over. That's when temptation can come the hardest, when you feel like you've made progress. The devil knows that. And it says that in the word that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And now when the tempter came, uh, and then the tempter comes. Satan comes to him when he's hungry. That's one of the times when we have to be most aware to be on our guard is when we feel like we're coming up to a close of a season. Run strongly. Know who you are. Don't let go of your identity. No matter, no matter what is thrown your way, hold steadfast. The end is in sight. Don't give up. It also is a te- it, it testifies of Jesus' integrity, integrity of the highest regard. When you're out in the wilderness alone, no one's watching you. If you're hungry, you could eat something if you wanted. It's just God watching. I mean, you know how people say, only God can judge me, and they tattoo it, you know, somewhere, only God can judge me. It's like, ooh, that's what you should be weary of. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jesus is out by himself in the wilderness, and if you, if you saw a grape on day 40 just hanging by the road, I know I would fail. I would fail that completely. <laughs> I don't even know if I could go four hours, let alone 40 days, without food. Praise God. But fasting is so holy to the Lord because it prioritizes you. It changes, uh, it, 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 it moves you away from the desires of what your flesh is wanting and what your soul is wanting. And it says, God, I want you more. I value what you, what you want to feed me. I value more than, than natural food. And that's where the Jesus was at. He was on day 40 of that kind of attitude. No wonder he was strong. No wonder he stood on his identity. No wonder he wasn't shaken when the enemy came. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, our identity is in him who knows his identity. He was fixed on it. He knew he was the son of God. He could have easily like thought, oh, I'm going to prove it. Yeah, of course I'm the son of God. Boom, bread. No, he wasn't phased. He didn't play into the enemy's hand. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to ask another question about the name on my head. It's really bugging me. It's really bugging me, I tell you. Okay, does this person have... Is this person wearing black? Yes? narrowed it down in my head. Okay. When, when you're asked to pr- produce some I- form of identification, some ID, one of the most important things is your name. They're asking to see your name. It's, it's the key detail so that they can identify who you are. They, they, um, they're not so concerned about, you know, what state you got your license in or whatever. They're looking for your name because they can identify the person who's attached to that name. And the same is true with our spiritual identity. God is so all about names. Um, names are important to him. 
when God attaches a name to someone, he wants to pull out on an identity that's attached to that name. He wants to pull something out when he, when he, uh, when he calls someone's a name, when he labels something. He's a God who calls things, which be not as though they are. And um, so your name is important when it comes to your spiritual ID. I, um, when I was born, um, my parents took me home and, and uh, I actually didn't have a name. Um, they were set in their hearts that they were going to call me David, and, uh, which I personally would have loved because King David was like my favorite character in the Bible. But um, they brought me home and they looked at me and I'm like, mm, not David, not David. Didn't feel right in the spirit. And so they were in prayer and earlier in the week before I was born, they kept on singing this song, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? They were singing that song all that week. And um, they brought me home and they couldn't, they didn't sit right on a name. But then they were praying about it and my dad gets something in his heart and says, his name's Andrew. His name's Andrew. And um, they had this book of baby names. And the, every baby name had a scripture attached to it. And so they went, let's go check out Andrew. And you know what scripture was attached to Andrew? Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Hallelujah. That scripture has been something that I can cling to because I know I didn't get my name from my parents' mere love for names. God named me. And when God names you, he wants to pull on an identity that's attached to your name. I grew up with, uh, I grew up with two sisters, the youngest, so I was very tender. I was very soft natured as a child. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt a mosquito even if it drank half of my blood. Oh, that's one big mosquito, Angie. You've got to do something about that. But um, I, I was so just easygoing, just gentle, real gentle kid. I loved singing. I loved acting and dancing. I loved drama as a kid. I loved, um, I, I even played with dolls. I was so gentle as a child. And, um, you know, I, I'd always gravitate towards, like, things that were more girly, to be honest. Yeah, it's true, it's true. And um, so in my head, David would have been a perfect name because it's like musical, beloved, you know, it's soft, it's gentle. But um, anyway, when I was about 10 years old, grade five, I remember the week. Like it was like the middle of term two, I'm pretty sure. There was something I watched on TV and um, it was an Oprah show and uh, it was um, about someone that had grown up, grown up in a Christian family and was gay. And immediately Satan comes to me in a thought and says, that's you, you're gay. It's so, it's so crazy. He was checking my ID at 10 years old. But at that same time, maybe a, a little bit before, my dad bought me this key ring and it, it said the origin of my name. It had my name in it. It had the origin of it, which was Greek. And uh, I still remember it was blue and it had a palm tree on it. And the meaning of that, of my name was manly, strong, courageous, brave. 
bold. And um, I use that name tag as a, as a way to reprogram my, my thoughts, to be like, no, that's not who I am. I'm not those things that, that I'm, like, because it really troubled me. Because you see, like, those, those things that you're interested in. And as a kid, man, that can screw you up. The word is, it, it's, I was, I, because of that name tag, I was able to pull on that, and that kind of kept me steady until the temp, like, that thought, that lying voice left me. And it's funny, because when the devil doesn't succeed with uh, one lie, he'll come back with another one. And this time, it was the opposite, where it was lust and, and looking at girls and the opposite sex and the, and the attraction to that. Am I able to talk about this in church today? Because no one... We don't talk about this enough. Our children's lives are depending on this. Um, it's just like Jesus. When, when one lie didn't succeed, he came back again. Same thing was with me. When one lie didn't succeed, he came back again. And he, he plants these lies through thoughts. Um, let's head over to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Not every thought that you have comes from the Lord. Thoughts are loose. They fly over. They're like birds and planes that fly over their head. You actually have to reach up and grab it before it becomes yours. Praise the Lord. So after those two weeks, that voice went away, and I felt really secure that, no, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. God loves me. I didn't even understand what relationships were, but the devil's coming here. You've got to shut that voice off. It's not the truth. Hallelujah. God's word is where we get our identity from. So uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit into the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I used to read it, especially that last bit, almost like that, like really fast, but when I was preparing and the Lord kept on knocking the scripture and he told me to go back to it um, last, in last service. Um, but yeah, what, what this scripture is saying is the word of God is able to distinguish what is almost indistinguishable between the soul and the spirit, between the joints and the marrow. So like your bones have marrow running all throughout them. The word, it's it's a, an, an analogy of the word of God being able to penetrate and divide something that's almost indivisible. And so it goes, and the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I used to think that was one word, but if I do that, then I'm leaving the rhythm of the scripture, the rhythm of what the author is trying to say. He's building a case between the soul and the spirit, between the joints and the marrow, between thoughts and intentions of the heart. When, when uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing, he's writing to believers. The intentions of our heart are according to our new spirit man. God gives us a new heart, amen? When, when you give your life to Christ, he gives you a new heart. It says he writes his laws on your hearts and on your minds. The word of God is able to divide thoughts and intentions of the heart, and that's why it's important to get in the word, know who you are, fill up on your ID. It's important. Praise God. I'm going to take a couple more guesses on who is on this card. I think I've already, I already know who it is. Is it Pastor James? Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, well, um, 
the last one, it took me a couple of guesses to get it right, but I'm thankful, you know, that uh, spiritual wisdom is working in me. So um, another story, um, when Nathaniel was, uh, when we were praying about Nathaniel's name, we hadn't had it yet, we hadn't received it yet, and I'd spent all day and night just trying to research, like look up names, and I really wanted to name him. It's just one of those things when you have a son, especially your firstborn son, you want to give the name. It's going to come from me. I'm the dad. Let's go. But not so. <laughs> I looked online two days straight. No sleep. Kenzie was like, come to bed. I'm like, no. I, I, was, I, was, I was determined. But um, anyway, Ken, we're praying about it one day. Kenzie gets this name rolling around in her heart. What about Nathaniel? I keep hearing in my heart, Nathaniel. I'm like, Nathaniel, ah. I knew you were comfortable with Nathaniel. It was, they, they weren't nice to me or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, after a while, it felt like I was butting up against the wall. Kenzie brings up the name again, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm in the wrong here. There's got to be something more to this. And so well, I, I gave it up over to the Lord. I was like, Lord, it seems like you're trying to tell me something, <laughs> something that I don't want to hear right now. And, uh, <laughs> and um, as soon as I finished praying that, I opened my heart, Lord, if it's Nathaniel, it's Nathaniel. Anyway, I just, we stopped for a while and we asked each other, wasn't Nathaniel a disciple? And um, so we went and we looked at it. And earlier that week, Kenzie was reading in John 1. And John 1 sets us up with the, de the deity of Christ, his, his pre-existence. And then it goes into, uh, picks up the story where John the Baptist sees him walking and declares, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then at the end of the chapter, we see Nathaniel come along. And Nathaniel, one of his friends, Philip, runs to him. He's like, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found him. We've, we found the Messiah. We found the Christ here in, in, um, from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, what, what good can come out of Nazareth? It's like, um, just to give a, the, the name of a suburb across the highway, you know, it's like, what good can come out of, we all know which one, you know. <laughs> we all know which postcode. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's like that. He, he gives an, like, what good can come out of Nazareth? And, um, Anyway, Philip convinces him. He goes and he says, come and see a man. Nathaniel walks up and, and, and Jesus says, this is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. And this means something to Nathaniel. He says, how do you know me? It's like, well, that's a pretty big statement. Like, imagine if it's like, if, if someone you didn't know say, oh man, you're a really truthful person. And you went, how did you know me? It, it tells something about his character, you know, like, um, and he goes, how do you know me? And, and Jesus says to him, before, uh, before, I saw, uh, before you came, I saw you underneath the fig tree. Again, we don't know what this means to Nathaniel, but it means something huge. It's a moment in his life that only he knew about. But Jesus meets him on this level, and he mentions something that's so personal to Nathaniel that Nathaniel declares, you are it. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says to him, I, I tell you that 
I saw you and you say that I am, you're going to see even more things. You're going to see the Son of Man and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Almost like you ain't seen nothing yet. Whew. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Anyway, I was weeping at this point. I was just like, Lord, that's my son's name. As if I had the idea. <laughs> Nathaniel, I love that name. And I'm looking over at Janice, who also has a precious Nathaniel too. Team. And, uh, you know, it just clicks. And needless to say, six weeks later, we're at the hospital. And I'd noticed something about his right eye. It was, it was a little bigger than the other one. And it was a bit slower in its movement. It was kind of catching up with the other one. And this kind of worried me as a dad. We went into the doctor's office and they said, your son, it's a strong chance that he's got glaucoma. Glaucoma affects your eyes. You could lose partial to total vision in your eye. And sometimes when you look at this, the natural, it's like, oh, man, yeah, I saw that kind of happening. Like, like I, I, I know what they're talking about. I've seen it. But the thing is, when God gives, gives a name, he wants to pull something out of it. Or he wants you to anchor onto it and attach your faith to it and watch him pull you out of it. We went home and I said, God, you gave Nathaniel that name. You gave Nathaniel his name. And you said part of the promise of his name was he was going to see the Lord. This, this report can't be true. It cannot be true because you gave my son his name. And because we knew God named him. I didn't name him. Kenzie didn't name him. God wanted us to pull on something or to grasp onto something so that when the time came, we knew Nathaniel's ID. He was healed and he was going to see. Ten weeks later, we, we informed our pastors and we asked them, just keep this area in prayer. We're standing in faith for his eyes. And I needed some real soul thing because, man, my soul was troubled. I, immediately the devil tried to come to me and say, oh, it's guilt from, your, from you being a youth and a young man and the things that you used to look at. That's why your son's going to lose his vision. Immediately Satan comes like that. Tries to knock your identity. Makes you try to think that it's your fault. But when God gives you a name, you can take that to the bank. When God gives you a promise, it's solid, it's settled. And so Kenzie and I, we stood in faith. We got an agreement with some believers. And we said, this child is going to see like the Lord said he would. We went back at 10 weeks and the doctor did a few tests and we didn't really say anything to the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, so what am I checking for? And I said, his eyes. He said, oh, they're fine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Completely fine. When God names something, he wants you to pull on it. He wants you to identify with that. He wants you to get on board with that name. Latch yourself to that identity that he gives you. There are times in scripture where we see that a name didn't quite fit. And God had to give a new name. God issued someone a new identity. And so, um, for example, we have Jacob, who was formerly known Jacob, now Israel. And uh, God changed his name. If anyone knows what the meaning of Jacob is, it means a supplanter, a deceiver, someone who manipulates. If you uh, grew up in, in poverty, you probably have a family member that kind of wants to cheat the system. Jacob, that, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, that's what that name means. It's kind of manipulative. will kind of bend the rules so things work out in their favor. Um, 
when the Lord in Genesis 32 appears in the form of a man, and this is a type and a shadow of Jesus, most scholars would say. There's a lot of debate, so I won't go into that. But um, the angel of the Lord, or this shadow of the Lord, gets into this match with, wrestling match with Jacob. And Jacob is wrestling with him all day and all night, and he fights all day and all night. And um, immediately this, this, this being, this man who's... Um, yeah, who is a type and a shadow of God, touches him on the hip, and immediately Jacob has to walk around with a limp for the rest of his life. It says he, he walked with a limp. And in that moment, this man gave Jacob a new name, and he said, you are now Israel, because you have wrestled with God and overcome. But God's so smart, because that name serves actually two meanings. Jacob, we know what it means now, deceiver, supplanter, someone that wants to reach forward and bend the rules. Whereas Israel means, one, wrestled with God. But I love the second meaning of Israel. You want to hear what it is? The second meaning of Israel is actually God fights, God contends, and God perseveres. God changed someone's name from being someone who manipulates you have to, you know, you're doing everything in your own strength to bend the rules and try to trick this person and trick that person and have your mom lie to your dad so that you can get the blessing. Whereas he changes his name to Israel, which, which says, God fights for you. You don't have to manipulate anymore. You don't have to try to circumnavigate the system or circumvent the rules. God says, I'm going to take vengeance on your behalf. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to represent you. I'm going to persevere for you. And I love that. God issued Jacob a new name. And we call them the children of Israel. How many of you have heard stories um, in the Six-Day War in, in the 1960s? Or was it yeah, 1960s? Yeah. 1968. Where Israel was surrounded by all its enemies. All those nations encamped around. Miraculously, God still fought for Israel. And Israel is still standing. Rome has come and gone. It was as big as, you know, half of Europe. I mean, like, Europe and Russia and all that. It's come and gone. But Israel, this tiny little piece that God fights for. Names are powerful. Names mean a lot to God. We see um, God give Abram a new name. Abram, which means exalted father. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes you can have a really good name. But then God changes his name. Abraham. You're a father of many nations. He elevates. He gives a new name. He issues a new identity to Abraham. And it's tied into the purpose that he has. Um, we also see the same thing with Peter. In, uh, in uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 16, we have the account where Jesus kind of sets Peter up. And he's like, who do men say that I am? Peter lists all of them. They, they say, you're Elijah, come back. Um, and he gives a list of people. And then Jesus says, who do you say I am? That's an important question. That's a question that will determine the course of your life. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? What does his word mean to you? What is his plan? Have you asked Jesus his opinion? What, what, who is Jesus to you? Peter answers, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. 
And he says, you are Peter. He renames him. He renames him Peter. Peter means reed or um, like something that's easily blown over. It's a, it's a symbol of someone who's able to listen and like, like very uh, willing to go with the flow. And um, he, he changes his name to Rock. But one thing I love is that Jesus wasn't quite done with the name Simon. He wasn't, he wasn't finished with the name. He still had a purpose for it. And when I was looking up this scripture, I was thinking at, at the end when Jesus says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs, you know? And this is when Peter's getting reinstated after the ultimate betrayal. I was thinking, he's going to call him Peter. I'm like turning to the page. I'm getting excited in my spirit. This is going to go so good. And then he calls him Simon. I'm like, why did you call him Simon? I thought you changed his name. But you see, what Jesus was pulling at was, you're going to obey. You're going to obey. You're going to listen. You're going to feed my sheep. I know you are. I know your heart is soft towards me. And he pulls him back over onto his side. How good is that? Some of you sitting here today, you've been known by a name that doesn't quite fit. You've been labeled by family members and friends. And that name is kind of stuck with you. It's kind of been like a ceiling you can't really break through. Those people that have called you, those names have come and gone, but that name sticks with you. God's issuing you a new name this morning, a new identity. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. We're going to find out our identity this morning, amen? Hallelujah. Let's, let's quickly go into some, uh, some scriptures about who we are. This book has everything you need to know about yourself. We have people that come in and out of relationships trying to find themselves. You won't find yourself in or out of a relationship. Only relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. God wants to change that name. It might have even been a good name like Abraham. He wants to elevate you. He wants to take you to a new place and give you a new identity. Let's read some things about ourselves this morning. One part of our ID. Loved. Loved and accepted. Imagine walking around with a consciousness that you're loved. You'd probably be looking at the most secure person you could ever see. You'd, you'd probably be looking at someone like Jesus. You remind me of Jesus when you walk around knowing that you're loved. The word says in Ephesians 1 verse 6, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You are loved. You are accepted in the beloved in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What do we got next? Love this one. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. 1 John 3 verse 1 to 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
How many of you know when Jesus asked Simon Peter, he was setting you, him up to, to see Jesus? Who do you say I am? Who do you see Jesus as being? And when Simon Peter answers him, you were this. You were the Son of God. You're the Messiah. Jesus reveals to Simon who he is. He says, you are Peter. When we see Jesus, every time we open the word and, and Jesus is made real to us in a, in a way, our nature is changed into being more like him. It's like those people on the, on the, way, on the road to Emmaus and they're, they're walking down the road. They're so sorrowful. They're sad because they've just seen Jesus crucified. But they go into their home with this stranger that has walked with them the whole way, talking with them. But when they break open the bread, when they break open the bread, they see him. They see the risen Christ. When we break open this word, we see him. And when we see him, we see us in him. And we know who we are in him. Hallelujah. Our identity is in the one who knows who he is. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, or everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself. Just as he is pure. Hallelujah. You're pure, pure. Pure. The blood of Jesus is speaking over you today. Pure, clean, forgiven, pure, pure, pure. Hallelujah. How would you live walking around with this consciousness every day, affecting your thoughts, affecting your actions? Hallelujah. Praise God. You'd walk righteous. You wouldn't fear. You wouldn't have guilt or shame. Righteous. Romans 5, 8 to 9. And the same way I'm going through this, and, and just in just quick form, it doesn't have to be long. I'm just feeding up on our identity this morning. <laughs> Woo! I'm just going into the word and seeing, God, what does your word say about me? It's so easy to do. Romans 5, verse 8 to 9. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we are saved from God's wrath through him. We've been made righteous by the blood, that blood that we partook of this morning. It's not just a drink to whet your appetite until Sunday lunch. It is the blood that makes you righteous. It is the blood that makes you confident to sit in, in the holy place and to enter into the holy place, not just as someone that comes in begging for mercy, but as a priesthood and as high priests, we have fellowship. It's because of that blood. Hallelujah. Woo, try walking around with that on your mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We'll do one more. Royalty. You're royalty. Hallelujah. I don't know if anyone's ever treated you like royalty, but the truth is you are royalty. Praise God. In, in this day and age, it kind of makes sense, you know, like we, we, we see our our churches and it's beautiful in here we're free a chosen generation I'll read this out 1 Peter 2 verse 9 we are a chosen generation 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I was reading that and I was saying, yeah, 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 that's true. But just imagine the date when it was said. Can you imagine the day when it was said? What, would, what did the church look like? It looked like people running for their lives. It looked like people that were, would have been afraid not knowing if Rome was on their tails trying to thwart out any attempt to gather. Imagine this. Imagine if you've been showing up, you're a Christian in the early church, and you've been showing up in secret in the middle of the night at somebody's house, and around lamps you will read these letters from the apostles, and you would encourage each other in the faith. Imagine what that would do to you when you're in fear. And one of your leaders says, you're a royal nation. You're a priesthood. It didn't look like a priesthood. But that was someone who had his name changed, calling the church a different name. Yes. Hallelujah. That was Peter, who was Simon. He had his identity changed. He knew what it was like to be called a different name. He looks at a church that's running scared, that's being killed, that's being slaughtered, that's being beheaded, and he says, don't forget you are chosen. You're a royal priesthood. Just imagine what that would have done for the saints. It brought tears to my eyes. It wasn't a church that had just gotten 15 million followers. It was a church that needed to know who they are because the temptation to throw it all away was so real. Friends, we're sitting in the new name, that royal priesthood. We get to experience that because someone dared to be a name changer. God was telling me, it's the name changes that are game changers in these last days. People will be like, I just call it like I see it. I call a spade a spade. Well, that's probably why nothing ever changes for you. Imagine if you called it instead of how you see it. Call it how God sees it. Imagine the fruit that would have in your life. Imagine if Peter called it how he saw it. You wouldn't have a royal priesthood in there. Imagine if God called the darkness how he saw it in Genesis 1. He saw the darkness and he said, let there be light. Friends, that is our Father. That is the one whose nature in our spirits are recreated after. A God who calls those things which be not as though they are. Be a name changer. When you see a situation that's desolate, when you see something acting up in your children's health, be a name changer. Give them a name God has given them. Side with that. When you hear a report over your own body and it feels real and you want to throw away your faith, be a name changer. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I want to give you a bit of homework this week. Reach out to somebody and be a Peter. If you see someone's having a rough go at it, someone's been down in the dumps, be a Peter. Write to them. Say, hey, I see you. It might be hard, but God's got a good plan for you. God loves you. And there is grace for this situation. Imagine what that would do to that person. To 
hear that they're on God's heart, that God has called them and chosen them. Pick two people this week and tell them, be a name changer. Hallelujah. As I uh, wrap up this morning, there are people here, you've carried a name in your head like I said before, it's been a ceiling you can't break out of. It's been something that's followed you, even though the, the, the teasing has gone and you're not in high school anymore, you're not you know, surrounded by those people anymore, but the name has stayed. God's issuing you a new identity. God's issuing you a new name this morning. And we're going to pray over over you in just a bit. So I'm going to pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for these saints here this morning. Lord, you see everything that's going on in their life, every, every situation that they've ever faced. And you know the names that have been called. You know the names that haven't lined up with the thoughts and plans that you have. So right now, for anyone sitting here that's in that situation, I break that power of those names that have cursed you. I break that power. It has no hold over your life anymore. Those days of you wearing that name tag and that label are finished in Jesus' name. That power is broken. Whatever it is, addict, unlovable, sinner, shamed, over in Jesus' name. You have a new name. You have a new identity. Hallelujah. You're forgiven. Now I can do that because of the authority that Christ has given me, but it's up to you to leave that name behind. It's up to you to take off that label in your heart. Its power is broken. Don't pick it up again. Don't wear that name tag. The next time you get pressed for your identity, don't reach for that license card. You've got a new one, and it's valid. It's valid by the blood of Jesus. You might be sitting here this morning, and you might say, Andrew, I've never given my life to the Lord. I, I don't know what it's like to know who I am. You might have been searching. God has that new name for you, friend. The way you do that you come into the knowledge of him is by saying this from your heart. It's, it's not so much about a prayer to pray. It's a decision in your heart and you're telling God about it. That's all prayer is. It's just talking to God. So I'm going to pray and you can follow me, but make this from your heart. If you want to give your life to the Lord, Jesus, show me who you want me to be. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to leave the old things behind. If that's you this morning, then I want you to pray this with me. Make this statement from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you've cleansed me. Even while I was a sinner, you sent Jesus to die for me so that I could become yours. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. 
Thank you for taking my sins. Thank you for taking my old name, my old nature, and giving me yours. Yours is the highest name. So I'm not living low anymore. I'm seated with you now. Thank you for what you've done. I give you my life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm looking at some new people today. And even if you didn't know who you are, it's good to be reminded, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, let somebody know about it. Let a friend know. Let uh, one of our ministry team's uh, members that are going to be up here in the front, let somebody know. We want to rejoice with you. It's a big deal when you get issued a new ID card. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. We love you. Say this with me. I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm recreated into his image. I am accepted in the beloved. I am royalty. I am chosen by God. I am free. Hallelujah. Give a shout of praise to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. God bless you, church. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au. 